Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Figure Podcast. Each week we figure out people, numbers and images of the past, present and future. Hosted by George Parkin and Charlotte Lorimer. May I just say though, 20 episodes is pretty good. We're almost as old as we are. In weeks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, Seem to be 23 for both of us. Yep, that's true. Charlotte's birthday is three days from now, right? Saturday. Yeah, three days. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Do you think it'll feel different? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was a shit question. <laughs> Probably not, because I, I think that when you come up to your birthday, you're quite often forgetting that you're not actually that age yet. Yeah, but you've kind of thinking about you're yourself sort of thinking as about 23 it. for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, no, my mum does that. Once I get six months into an age, she starts calling me the age above that. So she's been calling me 23 <laughs> since about January. <laughs> and I always have to remind her that I'm not yet. Anyway, so it's like when you're little and you'll say how old you know you say how old are you and they go I'm five and three quarters because yeah. the three quarters is crucially important. It is because you're so different from a five year old. Yeah, it's so yeah, very true. So this week I went to Plymouth um, for one of my best friend's birthdays and it was honestly so amazing to arrive and go to their house and I literally this is so cheesy real cheese alert but I felt like I was in a safe like you know when you're just completely relaxed completely yourself yeah and you don't even have to try very hard you're just always laughing and just feel kind of like oh these are my people yes and because I don't see them very often it was like that straight away and that was really nice and but then we went out and I felt like a student again and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and all of those feelings came rushing back but then the next day we drove all the way to Lizard in Cornwall, which is beautiful. Is that the name of a town? Yeah. It's the most southern point of mainland Britain. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So... I wonder why it's called Lizard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Maggie thought it was Lizard until <laughs> we looked it up and it's like, no, it's just <laughs> Lizard. <laughs> but she was calling it Lizard, like the whole drive down. I love that. Uh, yeah. So that was good. And then on Sunday we went shopping. So, great. It was great. Speaking of Plymouth, did you listen to Tom Daly's Desert Island Disc? Yes, nice segue. And yes, I did. And when he mentions things like the swimming pool and the hospital and all these, I'm like, yes, I know those places. <laughs> <laughs> also, just wanted to say that we wish Kirsty Young are getting better and I hope that she gets better soon. But also say that Lauren Laverne did an absolutely brilliant job. These are the hosts of Desert Island Taking Discs. over yeah. from Kirsty Young. Mm. Absolutely. Love Desert Island Discs. I always forget how good it is. Um, and I thought Tom was so endearing. And just, I can't believe how young he is. He's 24. No, and he's married and has a son. And yeah. then also has Olympic medals. Yeah. And has been what? world champion of diving. And his father passed away when he was only 17. I know. I just cannot believe how much he has been through all the highs and lows of his life. And yeah. he's only a year older than us. I know. But think about this. Think if someone objectively looked at your life, or whoever listening, your life, not necessarily just Charlotte's, but your life, <laughs> and just because he's well known, and obviously had amazing achievement being an Olympic mm. athlete, obviously, but isn't it weird though, if you look back on your life and you think how much has happened and what people have been through, actually everyone has such an individual story. Yeah. Um, no, very true. Even though he is super young, I do. He still must think be that one of the youngest people who's ever done Desert Island Discs, though. They can't have people who I are think that much Ed younger. Ed Sheeran was really young. Yeah. So was Jamie Oliver. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Who will be coming up later. Yes. But this week for me has been all about... So I've listened to some great podcasts. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, what have you listened to? Including Simon Hooper on Happy Mum, Happy mm-hmm. Baby. He was a great is episode. Father of Daughters Happy Mum, Happy Baby Instagram. is such a good podcast. I actually recommended it to my boss, who actually has a child. So I was like, you should probably be listening to this. But even people who don't have I children... Know, that's what I told her. Yeah. It's so enjoyable. It's so... It's it's sometimes very lighthearted and sometimes it's very serious and it makes you think about lots of different things. But Simon Hooper is hilarious. Tells all sorts of brilliant stories about his four daughters. He was also a really young dad. He was only 23, I think. Yeah. Oh um, and his wife, Clemmie, was 21. And that's a really great episode. I'd recommend that. I've also listened to Holly Tucker on The Delicious like Yellow. Yeah, I, I did. It was really interesting. Right. What an amazing woman. So she set up Not on the High Street. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked her attitude to business and her drive and her mm. ambition and that she wouldn't settle. And I think that that's just really important and was really great to hear about. She just makes you want to start a business every time you listen to her. Yeah, she does. Right? Yeah, mm. And I need to it. listen to her act, her the podcast that she hosts. Um, oh, I haven't, I haven't yeah, listened to you that need yet. to listen to that. That mm. okay, that's so, yeah, that's really great in terms of just like general. And she speaks to different people who've started different businesses, and that's just cool to yeah to see. Really mm. good. And um, how can we not mention the Hilo this week? Yes, was Deborah Francis White yes. as a guest talking about her book, The Guilty Feminist, which I've always finished, and I was so highly recommend. It's incredibly inspiring and inclusive and a must read yeah. for lots of different people that was a great episode okay question what is your most guilty feminist moment i feel very unprepared for that question i feel like that happens every time i throw you a cup i know well i really liked your guilty feminist which i really it's related to well, we tweeted it, and uh, Deborah Francis White retweeted it, which oh, was a great moment. That was so... I was so gutted. It's before you were on Twitter, so I did yeah, it for you. you did. Which was, I'm a feminist, but when I heard that Prince Harry was getting married to Meghan Markle, my first thought was that I wouldn't be a princess. No, that was genuinely my first thought. I was like, <laughs> damn it! We'll never be a princess. But, uh, I'm really annoyed. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to think of what mine would be and then I got distracted by something while I was listening to the high low and so I never came up with one that would be good enough. So I'll, I'll do that next week. But the main thing that has been happening this week is that I've seen lots of my family and my cousin has got married on Saturday, mm. which was the most beautiful wedding. Everything was just... Was it the most beautiful wedding you've ever been to? It's different because the other wedding that I've been to has been in Italy, which is a different... It was just a very different atmosphere because Mm. it was a lot smaller. And But in terms of the flowers and the organisation and the dresses and the weather and the church... No, the weather was absolutely beautiful. You've got to include the weather in this. No, it it, it was. Saturday was absolutely stunning. And autumn is my favourite season, as I've already said on this podcast, and everyone's been commenting on how much they agree with that, which I was very happy to hear. Um, and it was quite a traditional wedding, but it was also just very fun. And um, the man that she has married is uh, was born in Uganda. And so we had Ugandan dancers there, mm. which all of the children at the wedding were loving and were like going around and dancing and their little baby um, was sort of toddling around and listening to all the drums. So it was just, it was absolutely adorable. And um, it was just a very happy day. But the final thing I wanted to do in the intro mm. was to 
share some of the updates from previous things that we've talked about that have yeah. come up in the news this week. Yeah. So last week we talked about Sergei Skripal. Yeah. And there's a book that's come out on him this week written by Mark Urban. Mm. And in the book it says that Skripal actually couldn't believe that Russia had tried to poison him and that he remains quite a Russian nationalist. Interesting. Which That's is very not, interesting. But everyone in Russia also also is like that. Like, if you meet someone who just, you're, I guess, run-of-the-mill Russian citizen in London, in Russia, they have absolutely no concept of, what? The government's corrupt? No, no it's not. Really? Are you being serious? Yeah. Wow. Absolutely no concept of it. Very, very nationalist. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, of course, has been Elon Musk, who we talked about in relation to SpaceX last week, who has stepped down as the chairman of Tesla. Mm. So thank you to Finimize and to The Grapevine for explaining this to me, because I didn't really understand what happened. And shout out to Gwen, who texted me as soon as the news came out. Oh, really? Who is a lovely listener, and who texted me literally as soon as it came out, and I thought, oh my God, has he died? Like, what's happened? (laughs) And then I looked it up. So, yeah, he basically did a tweet about Tesla, Mm -hmm. um, I think it was in June, it was a while ago, and he has, which said that he was going to be taking Tesla private, and this was not true at all, he hadn't spoken to people to fund it, he hadn't spoken to anybody, it was complete fiction, and as a result, this has now been investigated, he's been fined 20 million dollars no yeah and he's been so he's been sued for fraud and he's had stepped down as chairman but he is still the ceo of tesla so i think that it's i feel like it's quite unusual for the ceo and the chairman to be the same person Mm. and there's a reason that you have two different people because you don't want things like this happening where it's not transparent and it's all too internal So that's been interesting. And then yeah. the final thing is that um, in back in episode seven, we talked about heterosexual couples who can, um, mm. and them being able to have civil partnerships in the same way that homosexual couples can. And it was announced this week that that is going to be allowed. And from now on, heterosexual couples and homosexual couples will be able to have civil partnerships. Yeah, awesome. Mm. The first figure for this episode will be Jamie Oliver, who is forever the naked chef, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, He and Nigella, uh, I grew up watching them religiously all the time. My mum loved Nigella, loved Jamie Oliver, still won't choose between them and refuses to and says, why do we have to? Um, (laughs) How frequently do you ask her to choose? Um, (laughs) As you can see here, she has literally all of the Jamie books and all of the Nigella books. Um, and she can't have every single Jamie <coughs> book. Nearly. Wow, that's a lot of books. Mm, she does, yeah. And uh, yeah, they were the chefs of my childhood. And Jamie Oliver, I just loved watching him when he was young. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and then the school dinners programme as well. Yeah, but I didn't realise, I think, at the time how revolutionary it was and actually how before its time it was. And Completely. now, looking back, that was 2004, 2005. That was years ago before yeah, was. anyone was even talking about mm. healthy eating in, in schools or public health initiatives or absolutely like mm. and a lot has changed but we still have a, a long way to go and I think doing the research for this has really made me appreciate and kind of given me more drive to talk about it more often because again Jamie Oliver like for your mum yeah for my mum is absolute hero yeah and my brother also absolutely loves him and healthy eating and 
all of that was so a part of my childhood, especially because my mum sort of took on her healthy eating role within the school as well and was mm. just saying all the same things as Jamie Oliver was and trying to make a bit really big difference and have fresher food and educate people about cooking. She did cooking courses mm. um, and all of that, but I haven't... I, it feels quite a long way away from my life at the moment and so it's been quite interesting to remind myself of what that was like and actually to think how far society in general has come in terms of talking about health yes. and nutrition but obviously there is still a very long way to so go. So I thought the same and actually I thought gosh now it seems like it's so much easier to talk about these things but no the problem is only getting worse and when I watched his TED talk which was 2010 yeah um he was talking about um sort of food in preschool, primary school, secondary school, how the government needs to step in, needs to make these regulations, how much sugar is in our food, the fact that it is mm. ridiculous, that it's not taught. Like, kids yeah. do not know how to cook. And then he showed clips of him going into schools and showing kids a mushroom, a cauliflower, um, an, aubergine. an aubergine, and they had absolutely no idea what it was. And he said, by the time I left... They thought a tomato was a potato. Yeah. It's that like, kind of thing. And, and he was, was like, like, it's normal. Yeah, and he was like, by the time I left... They knew. So it took two hours yeah. to just sit them down and tell them what these things are. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I really liked was in his interview with uh, Dr. Ranjan Chatterjee, who is another great discovery of a new podcast, really <laughs> enjoying this. He's the author of a book called The Four Pillar Plan, and he's a doctor, and he's now trained in nutrition. And he talks about sleep, relaxation, movement and food as the four pillars, mm -hmm. which he's certainly not reinventing the wheel, but he's just simplifying it and saying these have always been the pillars of health. These continue to be the pillars of health. These are the things that we need to think about. Mm -hmm. And for us to be healthier means that we're a lot happier and we can live more is the sort of ethos behind the podcast. But one of the things they were talking about was how if you're going to teach a child maths or geography, or history, what better way than to do some baking, or to do some cooking from that specific place, or that time, or that, and teach people about the world through cooking, because when you touch stuff, and you smell things, and you taste things, you remember it so much more than if you're sitting down, and you're having to concentrate, and really you just want to be running around, and I think that it would be a really interesting shift to see if it was more hands-on way of teaching children. Definitely. Um, and I don't really know what the solution is to this because there's an argument on the one hand that uh, there's just, there's so much money and advertising and addictive additives in all of that junk food mm. that is physically making younger people and parents choose those options when shopping How, what do we do to actually take that well, away well i think this is where jamie's argument with the government comes in because yeah the food and drinks industry cannot self-police themselves they're not going to change mm. their labeling and change their ingredients did you read his open letter to Theresa may it's I didn't, so no. So it's a really comprehensive plan on how we're going to tackle childhood obesity. And it says things like an end to junk food marketing on TV before 9pm. No more buy one, get one free on junk food offers. A ban on licensed characters, cartoon characters and celebrities being used to promote junk food. Further tax. Um, 
like I guess there's traffic light labeling on foods and like age restrictions on uh, energy mm. drinks well I guess the sugar levy that came in this year yeah didn't it? that has which has certainly raised awareness but we need more than yeah. that and and I think labeling is such a key one because he says how can you call something low fat when it's all completely full of sugar mm. and that for me is the real takeaway point where it's so shocking of his TED talk I mean there are so many things that you can learn from that talk and it's still incredibly relevant but when he looks at the amount of milk that children are drinking each day, twice a day in America, yeah. and the amount of sugar that is put into the milk, yeah. and then he collects it, he has five years worth of sugar, and it's an entire wheelbarrow of sugar for one child. And you just think, that's before they've, that's like primary school. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. It's absolutely mad. Mm. But I think what's interesting about Jamie as a person, and what I loved was listening to his Desert Island Disc, 26 when he did that, and then this interview with, Dr. Ranjan Chastity when he was now 43 mm. and the similarities between them and then the differences where his passion for health has been exaggerated so much and he says to Sue Lawley age 26 I kind of want to talk about this more but I don't I sort of check myself yeah political he was like he was too like political. it's too political yeah and it it used to be incredibly political it still mm. is political mm. but it's so much more widely talked about and the conversations are at a different level than they obviously were 20 years ago and the other thing that i really enjoyed finding out about from the desert island disc was about his restaurant 15 mm. did you look into that afterwards at mm. all I, I remember when it opened my parents went Oh, really? Yeah, I think they had, they had, there was a waiting list of like three months. Wow. Mm. So for anyone who doesn't know, this um, restaurant is called 15 because it um, was initially started with 15 young people. Mm -hmm. They all wanted to be chefs and cooks. They didn't necessarily know how to cook, but mm. they had the drive and the passion. And Jamie trained them up mm -hmm. in order to open that restaurant. And then every six months, he trained another 15 people. Yeah. And I think he had yeah, 1,500 applicants to this. Um, program and he put 1.3 million pounds of his own money into this to get it going wow. and the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was his franchise and his restaurant chains because 15 is still very much going it's still yeah. incredibly successful however Jamie's Italian they've had to close loads of those over mm. the years and things like recipes that used to be in a couple of places in London, all of those have closed. Yeah, I never do remember recipes. Was that like a sort of? It was a kind of um, place to buy his books and then to buy cooking tools, I think, and like utensils and pots and pans. And then it had, I think it had a cafe as part of it as well mm. and a restaurant. But it's what I think is interesting because he's. I think he's identified his strengths. His strengths is on TV and talking to people and getting those recipes and being the it's face him. of that. It's him. It's not it's his him. restaurants. It's not his restaurants. It's yeah. not... And 15 when... is much more him, actually. I totally the agree. The chains are like... The chains are fine. I, I've been to the chains many times. I would happily choose to go there. Agreed. But they're nothing special. Then, I would no. class it in the same thing as Pizza Express, Coluccio's, which are great places, mm. but I'm not going to... Yeah. You know what I mean? Colucci's was actually his first job. I know. And that was just really cool. Really cool. I love and he was a pastry chef there. Mm. And this is also how I think how he met Gennaldo, uh, Gennaro Contalto, mm. who is my favourite like Italian 
anybody. He's so hilarious. Honestly, so they've just done a series which has just finished called Jamie Cooks Italy and it's them together. So he was, Gennaro was kind of his mentor. And when Jamie finished college, everyone was saying, oh, I want this Michelin star. I want to end up in this restaurant. And Jamie just went, I just want to know how to cook really good pizza. Mm. It was either pizza or pasta. I think it was pasta. I think think it was pasta. Really good pasta. And everyone laughed. And obviously, I mean, who's laughing now? Um, But someone introduced him to Gennaro Contaldo and together they've gone round Italy recently and I think they have a kind of father-son relationship which is really lovely to see as well um obviously Jamie is very like has been close to his own father who had a pub and who Mm. brought him up and kind of gave him lots of odd jobs Mm. when he was young I think that's where his work ethic comes from completely what's your favorite Jamie Oliver recipe to make I knew you were going to ask this and I prepared for this question cool uh risotto he taught me how to do a really good risotto, which is probably oh, through Gennaro, um, that you've got to let it rest. That is the key. And you've got to use good wine. Okay. And this is this is my favourite thing that Gennaro says, which George, my brother, does the best impression of. He's like, cooking wine. What is cooking wine? Like, you have... The wine you drink is the wine you use. Yeah. And he says it obviously in like I a so lovely, lovely that. Italian accent. I hate accent. using cooking. What is cooking what wine? What is cooking it's wine? Vinegary. It's exactly. the wine you take to prees because it's five pounds. <laughs> exactly. That should not be cooking wine. Exactly. Exactly. Gosh. So good wine and then just doing it slowly and just stirring mm. it slowly. And then um, this isn't vegan, so I wouldn't do this if I was cooking for you, but putting like a big knob of butter in at the end mm. and then letting it rest and sit. Mm. That's what makes it like lovely and creamy and buttery and yummy. And I also really like his frangipan, which is a little tart that my brother makes. And uh, it was one of the earliest thing I can remember my brother making and us all being completely blown away. Cool. Mm. The second figure that we're going to talk about today is that life expectancy in the UK has stalled for the first time on record. So they did this research two years ago and found that the life expectancy for a woman would be 83 and for a man it would be 79. And this average has remained the same, which has never happened on record. They've always been going up and up and up. Mm. Well, I have three theories for this. First theory, which... I now know I sound like a broken record, but non-communicable diseases is the thing that is killing us the most. So by non-communicable... Things you can't catch. So you can't catch cancer from me, you can't catch heart disease from me, you can't catch diabetes. Those are the three things that are killing us. The risk factors for those are, I think, something like 80% to do with diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And they are killing us at a ridiculously fast... What about depression and anxiety and mental diseases i I, I, would those count as non-communicable yes those do count as non-communicable and actually i think that um i think that i think i read somewhere i need to put this in the description but that the rate of people who are taking their own lives it just goes up yeah so i don't it's so weird that we live in a world that where literally we are killing ourselves with our diet and lifestyle and our and how we live and then we have all this stress and anxiety because everything's so instant so we're also dying that way and the alcohol and drug abuse has also increased by the looks yeah. of this research. Um, the increased mortality in terms of the age group is 30 to 55 years old. Mm. And this is as a result of poisoning, suicide, liver disease. Mm. So 
liver there's, alcohol I think drugs. that what's come out of this from a, and was discussed in a really brilliant article by Jenny Russell for the Times was that this is symptomatic of a wider societal problem mm. and that I think that there's just unhappiness yeah. that is something that is is being suggested through this data it's not like you can just say oh well this is because of this i guess we've lived through a recession Mm -hmm. and now it's almost like now is the time where we're feeling it the most obviously markets crashed in 2008 2009 but coming out of a recession it just takes a really 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 long time and then we also had you know really weird political environments that have just a lot of uncertainty so much uncertainty and so much there's just nothing more anymore. Yeah. You can't... And there's no money anywhere. And if you think about all of the societies, which Jamie Oliver has talked about, actually, and really covered very well in his Jamie Cook's Italy and in previous shows, when it comes to old age and health in old age, community is the number yeah. one factor. And didn't he say in that podcast that it's not even coffee shops, it's pubs, because at the pub is the only place where you're talking? Yes. So at coffee shops, you go... It's about Wi-Fi. You, you get your Wi-Fi if you go you know, I don't know, to the gym or a gym class or anywhere else, um, you're not talking. A pub, you're literally, no phones, you're just talking mm. with a, over a pint. Mm. Um, and that's what he said is this, where the strongest communities are, where people live for the longest. Yeah. And I just don't think that we really have that sense of community anymore. Mm. Also, on my first day of university, the dean of the medical school gave us like an intro talk and he said that he was talking about the wealth disparity in Plymouth specifically and how the life expectancy literally goes down by years as you drive across the city. And he said it's the same in London and the central line. So when you go from the centre of London and you go each stop from the central line takes, I think, a year off life expectancy. Gosh. And I remember that yeah. sticking with me because I just thought that yeah. can't Well, be one right. of the stats in Jenny Russell's article is that within the single borough of Kensington mm. in London you could have one boy who would be living 100 yards away from another boy, and if you've got a divide in rich and poor, there could be a difference of 14 years between Mm. what their life expectancy is. And we've just been looking at this map of life expectancy by, like, geography Mm. over England, and it is like looking at a map of class and and wealth, and all of the places that you would look at and you'd go oh, it's quite a wealthy area they're all much much higher life expectancy mm. i think this is what's so distressing about this research that mm. the divide is just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. It's getting worse and obviously we've had lots of conversations this week in particular about all of the cuts and the austerity and this has come out in the research as well and it's saying well look at how much we've cut care look at how much these mm. people are not being cared for mm. and and even if we are living longer as well, it means that you have to look after people for longer at the same time. Yeah. And it's just such a such a complex thing to try and manage, but something is, is going so, so wrong. It is, and actually, I like that you touched on that about people living longer, because there's so much as well in the press about, you know, the 100-year life and um, living till 100, and that is actually very true, as in, you know, children who are born after 2000, you know, their, their life expectancy is significantly, you know, mm. we could have friends who are going to live into the, you know, yeah. 100s, 120. Did but, you, did you ever... but I don't think, I think that is masking... It's for the people who can. It's for the people who yes. are in the higher wealth bracket. Yes, they can live to 100. So it's all this stuff about living to 100 and that. People over 70, you know, there's no retirement age mm. anymore. And 
I really want to cover this in another episode about the future of work because the workplace is changing so much because people don't retire. People, by the time we get to 60, there won't be such thing as retirement because no. we still have 40 more years. Yeah, you and there's, there's sort of another stage of life. We've normally had yeah. childhood, Definitely. adulthood, old age, and yeah. now old age is basically split into like young old age yeah. and old old age. Yeah, or older old age. And you know, you might be living with your great-grandchildren and that might become really normal. Yeah. Um, but but it won't become really normal if we bracket. can't talk about these health problems yeah. and t- can't talk about mental health mm. and we can't talk about obesity yeah. and loneliness. Like yeah. Loneliness is such a huge killer. And if you don't have a community around you, then mm. of course you're going to be unwell. Mm. Mm. And I think we have a lot to learn from other places which have much higher li- life expectancy. So we've got France, Spain, Italy, Switzerland, Japan, Japan. New Zealand, Norway. Throwing it out there, do you think it's to do with the Mediterranean diet? I think Mediterranean diet has a huge impact. And can you explain to everyone what is a Mediterranean diet? So my mum is probably the one who's best to but explain But she's not here, this. so in her Yeah, absence. no, but she's, she's been having this um, recently. So it's things like roasted vegetables, olive oil, um, just like real earthy Tuscan mm. food. Mm. It's called Mediterranean, obviously, because it's the typical yeah. dishes that you get around that. Great. You have like, great, f- like actually actual, seafood, yeah. I think, would be included in that. Very but... small amounts of meat and very small amounts of cheese. Yeah. Um, but seriously good olive oil. Yeah. That's critical. Yeah. And... Sourdough bread. Yeah. And actual, like, just... It's just whole foods. It just goes back whole to food. This, this mentality of whole foods. And it's food, as Jamie Oliver says, that brings people together, that's cooked by the community, mm. that's eaten by the community. And I think that films like um, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which yeah, obviously came so out true. quite a few years ago, but that really touched on a serious problem. that like, I would much rather die young than end up in a home in somewhere in the UK where I'm kept alone and I'm not so with people. It? It's so difficult. Um, it's so difficult. And, and also, um, I don't know, I just think that this, the stat that it's stalled seems just crazy. Like, I, I just can't understand why mm. we are at a point where that is happening. But then actually when you look at it... But then surely it's got to stall at some point because you can't... Can it just keep on going up and up and up and up? I don't know. Maybe. It says that it's kept on going up from the 1800s. Oh my God. Yeah. But the other thing, looking again, comparing us to other countries, in Russia in 18... In 1987, the life expectancy for men was... 70 in 1994 it was 64 so that was a big drop huge and it went back to what it used to be in 1940 Mm. and what people have linked this to is the collapse of the communist like society Mm. and the collapse of the country as it's as it had known itself and the identity and Mm. i think that britain have an austerity and austerity yeah but this is actually what we've got right now going on when you were little when did you think you would live to did you do you remember having that conversation you know I used to see visions of myself as an adult and you know what I used to be wearing so I had sort of short-ish hair like a little bit of a long bob obviously quite a young face and like this was me picturing myself as a mum I had like a long skirt like a really long skirt like maroon skirt with flowers (laughs) okay and then like a long sleeve maroon top that's what I thought adults were. <laughs> but did you ever think, oh, I'll I'll get my letter from the Queen and I'll live to a hundred? No, I thought eighty. 
Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. we had quite a weird exercise, which sounds quite morbid, but it was it was good at the time. When I was about eight, we had to write our obituaries. Yeah, I so, like that idea. Yeah, so we were predicting what our life would have looked like. Mm. And almost every single person in this class thought that they would live to 100. Oh, which that's really nice. But then it sort of... That, that actually could be a reality for half the people if we if you're healthy yeah. and if you don't have chronic diseases and you yeah you're lucky I yeah. guess yeah that is a reality God um, I thought I would be a prima ballerina <laughs> I thought I'd be like the next Darcy Bustle that didn't happen I just had a random <laughs> thought if I live until I'm a hundred does that mean I could technically have Oh, no, not yet. Not now. But I could technically be married three times, each for 20 years. Wow. Right? <laughs> Is that what you're planning on doing? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll get back to you. The third figure that we're going to be talking about today was a photo that was posted by my housemate, Charlie Bailey and his girlfriend Katie, who are currently in Indonesia, in Sulawesi, and they are raising money for the families um, and friends that they have met who've been affected by the earthquake and tsunami that happened in Palu. Six days ago. Yes, and there was an earthquake in Lombok not so long ago as well. Um, where so we've close to yeah, where we which were. is where we really close, and then they've had the volcano erupt in Bali, yeah. um, as well. So Indonesia has just had natural disaster after natural disaster. But mm. I guess the reason that we wanted to talk about this this week was firstly to raise awareness about this because I am slightly ashamed to say that I have not checked the news very recently, like very frequently, and I mm. honestly wouldn't have known that this had even happened if I hadn't seen this Facebook post. And that's, I think, really common. I I remember talking to you and you hadn't even known about Puerto Rico and the damage that happened in Puerto Rico this time last year. Hurricane Maria um, hit Puerto Rico. um, And, oh my God, the damage was unbelievable. And you know how the south coast of America had some terrible storms? Mm. And they say that Hurricane Maria was one of the most destructive Atlantic storms ever. um, And that literally whole towns in Puerto Rico were completely taken Mm. out and Richard Branson so the Virgin Islands are also in that same area and he was stranded you know underground with his team for days before they could get him out yeah Um, and that got press but um but literally the Americans were so there was so much criticism on Trump as to how quickly he responded and the fact that I think he gave like a million dollars of his own money when Hurricane Harvey hit. Yeah. But then for this one, he was basically, he had some awful tweets mm. about them expecting everyone to do everything for them and being mm. so badly managed and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But anyway, Trump aside, I think this, the point is that we don't really hear about these things very often. Yeah. And actually it's so important too. And it was really great that Charlie uh, shared those images on Facebook and then gave bank account details to send the money directly. Well, it's um, directly to, where it's to him. And then help. he's going to... Yeah pass it straight on and yeah. since he posted that only a couple of days ago they've raised over 500 pounds so good he's posted photos since of the trucks that they're using to transport the food mm. and the messages that i had from him today were just explaining that the tensions are really rising because people are competing for food supplies now oh my god and that they're only letting the army in and that there are no tourist volunteers so actually getting the aid to these people who really need it is just 
very difficult mm. and the death toll is going up and up and up and up it's one of those things where when Grenfell Tower happened and I would look at my news each day and it was just going up 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 and this is on a scale which is just unimaginable so as of yesterday 844 people have died but it's feared to reach 1,300 Charlie thinks it'll go well into the thousands and it's just I guess if you have some money that you would like to donate to this, we're going to put the details mm. of Charlie's link into yeah. the podcast description and we'll tweet it. We'll do an Instagram post and anything that you can give, please do because it is going directly to the people who really need it. Only 20p will buy rice for one person for one day. So oh it doesn't God, take much. Amazing. And so I, what was he doing there? How was he there? Is he's he okay? Tr- yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's um quite a way away from it, but obviously okay. you see everything that's happening, you're hearing the stories. He said that they haven't met a single person who isn't waiting to hear from family and friends, from aunts, uncles, mm. and that they're very much on the ground and doing what they can to help. He's just travelling. Mm. So it's just been a timing um thing. But I think that I imagine that companies like All Hands not companies, charities like All mm. Hands will hopefully be making their way to that um the place that's been affected Mm. they've already been in Lombok and for anyone who doesn't know this is an absolutely amazing charity that we'll definitely have as our charity of the month all hands all All hearts I think is the full name and they are very quick off the mark in terms of aid and volunteering and they go to natural disaster areas mainly so Mm. they've had people in Nepal they have people in Lombok they have people in Puerto Rico Mm. um obviously after like tsunamis i would earthquakes I would love to do that i would love to do that or msf or any kind of i would love to at some point when i still don't have children not that i wouldn't do it when i had children but like just because my you know your risk increases mm. or whatever um but i would love to just take six months and just volunteer mm. in a natural disaster or help medical staff in a war zone, or yeah. people who really need it. It's incredibly humbling. Yeah, I think if Arthur does do MSF, I'm going to so scrape in, yeah. <laughs> and just go along, and, and, and yeah. I, would, I would just love to actually see what mm. other human beings on this planet are experiencing, because yeah. I feel like so I can talk about it so much, and we can donate so much money, but you just don't understand, and I just yeah. think it's so unfair that we're all human, but we're all born in different yeah well when I volunteered in a township in Cape Town called Kailicha Mm. which I did uh, when I was 18 yes I was driving through this township to the school where I was helping at and it was like my windscreen was a screen and I was watching comic relief yeah because you've you've seen it through that yeah and for anyone who hasn't listened to Richard Curtis on ways to change the world please do I re-listened to it over the weekend with my mum and my brother and it was great we just paused it and we discuss and then we play mm. but it's actually incredibly valuable what they have done in terms of using technology and this is what Charlie's done as well just through Facebook mm. to raise awareness about these issues mm. because prior to things like live aid band aid comic relief sport relief did we have as much awareness of what was going on all over the world and the importance of raising money for them? Mm. I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. And they've now raised over a billion pounds. I know, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It really is. And I think what I really love about that interview is that he says it's about using your skills as an individual 
to do what you can to help and change you don't yeah. need to become a different person or yeah. gain a different skill in order to do it you and it's what Gina Martin says mm. take what something you're really passionate about and something you're really good at and yeah. put it together yeah and that's how you can make yeah. an impact absolutely um also in looking at natural disasters I um after I was looking at Puerto Rico, I suddenly thought, gosh, how many natural disasters have there been in our lifetime? And I believe that you have a few that mm. have been the worst. So many. So the first one that I can remember and the first one on my list is the Indian tsunami uh, of 2004. That was on Boxing absolutely Day. horrendous. Oh my God, I mm. can't believe mm. that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. But the ongoing impact is also phenomenal. And when I was in Sri Lanka, there's still families who mm. talk about it where they are incredibly proud of the way that they've rebuilt their communities mm. and their beach lines mm. and made them stronger. Yeah. But it's, it was totally wiped out. Completely. And the death toll was 225,000. Gosh. The before and after Can photos. you believe just that? That's chilling. a population of a, of a country or a city. Like, yeah. that's an insane yeah. amount of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I found surprising, again, going back to this, how I didn't necessarily hear about this in a way that I thought I would have because it's an mm. awful thing to happen, mm. um, was the way that sometimes you hear about it in some countries and not in others. Mm. So I didn't even realise how badly Sri Lanka had been affected mm-hmm. by the 2004 tsunami. Or Puerto Rico last or year. Or Puerto Rico. Last year. Yeah. yeah. I, until I actually went to those countries and you see it. Mm. And... I think that there's a sort of media skew where you hear about some things and then you hear about other things. And Richard Branson being involved in that will have blown up the media around that. So it's how do we get this message out? And this Mm. is where I think that social media actually can have a really positive impact. And the event that we went to with Emma Gannon and Catherine um, Omerod, yeah. I don't know if that's how you say her second name, um, she's written a book called Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life, which I'm really looking forward to it, li- reading. I think mm. it'll be really interesting, but I'm glad that somebody in the audience asked the question, what do you think social media can do positively? Mm. And there are really positive things about it, and mm. I think that activism and raising money and raising awareness is one of those and i think absolutely social media and tech is only going to progress human development and learning it's just mm. that because we're human we're not using it in the right way that we should be necessarily and actually we I, I feel like we're still at a teething phase because if you think about it it's not even been 10 years yet that the mm. instagram hype has been i reckon that will eventually iron itself out but I it's got a so. long way to go because we're still using it... it as an indulgent way of looking at perfection but is it the same as the food industries where they're not going to self-police and we do need Mm. to have restrictions and age restrictions and the and realize the impact on mental health that social media can have because can we just keep it going and on and on i almost think that i don't know it's it's so hard to say but i almost feel like people are going to come to a point where they're just going to go you know what i don't even want instagram I yeah. don't even want to look anymore. People are already doing that yeah. and realising the value of that, of yeah. turning their phones off, yeah. going on digital detoxes, which yeah. have become very trendy. Yeah. Uh, but they they are really yeah, they are really good for you, I mm. think. And the accounts that are the best ones are the ones that are super honest. Yeah. And Catherine Ormeron says that she's like she has one that's like her fashion y one. Yes. And one that's her mum one. And she's like, the one that's the mum one is the real one. Yeah. I get real women who I then meet, who then become my friends, because we're all bonded together by an experience. Yeah. And that's 
amazing that we can do that with social media and online Mm. yeah it is the other thing um, about facebook that i do think was a very good thing to introduce was the safe mark yeah so if there has been a terrorist attack or some kind of natural disaster you had to do that for the westminster bridge thing yeah i do god i was literally was so freaked out and we've been on find my friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just to explain what had happened, I was quite close to that. I was in a really, meeting. really close in a meeting, and and I had my view from hours. And Mary just sent my me phone a screenshot was... of you literally right next to Westminster Bridge, and I was just like, "What?" And we hadn't really heard what had gone on. We just heard but what was, was weird attack. is that I normally have my phone on silent, but I didn't actually have it on silent and I could hear someone's phone pinging throughout the meeting. I thought to myself, God, that's so rude. I can't believe that someone has still got a phone on. I called your mum, I called your brother, literally we were I had just, messages. I yeah. went out to this meeting and I had messages from everybody yeah. and like, scrolling through it and I was like, oh wow, I'm so sorry. I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. But it is technology. I guess that's where technology can ramp up the fear massively. Yeah, oh, for sure. But it can also give people that little bit of reassurance, and it can become a much faster way to communicate as well. Mm. I think that and send money. Yes, and send money. So this is where yeah, fintech, transfer wise. Yeah. Starling, where I work, Monzo, yeah. all of these companies, they have very fast, very efficient, very brilliant. cheap Absolutely. ways of sending money all over the world. Absolutely and this brilliant. is what we need for you know international aid like mm. that's making it so much easier it's taking out the pain points and that can have a much bigger impact when the money gets to where people need it to go thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the figure podcast honestly i know i say this every single week but we really 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 love hearing from everyone um I honestly can't tell you how much joy I get from receiving a message from someone who's listening, whether it's a friend, family member or complete stranger, um, just to know that these conversations are being started in your mind or in your family's, over your family's kitchen or whatever it is, or just comments at work. Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Please uh, give it a five star rating if you would like to, just because that really helps other people find the podcast. And remember to check us out on Instagram at figure podcast and on Twitter at figure podcast and also to email us at the figure podcast at gmail.com god you did the whole thing i didn't have to say anything i'm sorry i was on a roll (laughs) until next week Bye bye